0: Something in the Water Does Not Compute is the 7th track on Prince's 1999 album, which was released in 1982. It is the 2nd song on Side C if you had the 2LP version of the the record back in the day, or even nowadays, you know, if you're into the, the vinyl revival movement. So it comes right after Automatic on Side C, and kind of like Automatic, Something in the Water Does Not Compute. Has a, a similar theme, so the two songs really lend themselves well to each other to be consecutive on the track listing. And uh, here to talk about Something in the Water Does Not Compute from the Mountains in the Sea podcast, I have Josh Norman. Good Hi, hey
1: Jason. Hey, Jason. Sorry, didn't mean to step on you there.
0: <laughs> it's okay, <laughs> man, what an awful debut! <laughs> it's quite alright. I think you will do just fine being a professional podcaster yourself. <laughs> oh, wow. I don't know. that
1: That is overreaching a little bit. We do, I do have a podcast. Half of okay. one.
0: You Less have, than half. You
1: Christy does most of the work, so I'm like 30% of the show.
0: Yes, and so for listeners of my podcast, you will be familiar with uh, Christy Norman, Josh's wife. She has been featured on a, a few of my episodes, a couple from the Dirty Mind album, and she was just on the DMSR episode from the 1999 album, but this is Josh's first time on the on the podcast, so I am going to hand it over to Josh to let him provide a little synopsis of his uh, connection to Prince, connection to Prince's music, how he got started with it, and then also a brief plug of his own podcast. Uh, wow, so how I first started getting into
1: Prince, my first Prince memory is in Uh, From 1982, that would make me eight. And I remember I was at a neighbor's house and they were playing Delirious. And I heard the end of the song with a little baby cry, laugh, Mm -hmm. whatever that is at the end of Delirious. And I thought, what in the world is that? And it really got me curious. And then come to find out my mother had 1999, the cassette in her car. Uh, So I started listening to some of that. And that's how I got into his music. It was kind of just my first musical interest in general. Um, and then when I was uh, in middle school, we moved to Northwest Indiana and a another like a senior in a high school I don't know, a few miles away from where we lived. I came to know and he had a car and could drive. So, of course, he was super cool. Mm, sure. He was a massive Prince fan and would drive to Paisley Park. Uh, this was right as Paisley Park opened and would go there for open rehearsals and concerts and would come back with stuff and would share it with me. And it was my first exposure to the fact that, you know, what you hear on an album by any artist is a finished product of a lot of creativity and tinkering and practice and revisions and editing. And I'd never really crossed my mind before. Um, so that really got me interested in Prince. And of course he had a volume of stuff that spoke, to me, more than anyone else, both like quantity and quality wise, and I would hear things that this guy would bring back to me on albums like two, three years after he would bring them back. Um, so it was also sort of my first exposure to Prince bootlegs, if you could call it that, if it was picked up legitimately and shared. So I just it just became like an obsession of mine through high school and college and adulthood. And uh, a couple Christmases ago, my wife asked me for her big Christmas gift to do a podcast with her and it never even crossed my mind to do a podcast and honestly I hadn't really listened to a lot of podcasts either it wasn't anything that I was really into I just wanted to listen to music right I didn't want people listen to people talk about music who does that (laughs) Uh, so in April of 2018 is when we launched our podcast the mountains and the sea and we've been releasing an episode every other week ever since then without missing a beat and just to plug the podcast a little bit it is called the mountains and the sea and that's um obviously the chorus from mountains which is my favorite prince single and we use that as a basis to pick a mountain or a high point and a sea a low point from each album or era that we're covering for each episode and we also pick a time capsule the thing that speaks to that time period the most to us um you can learn more about us by finding us on twitter at t mats podcast that's t-m-a-t-s podcast and you can find us on any podcast platform just by looking for the mountains and the sea
0: Okay. Thanks, Josh. I appreciate you being on the episode and, and volunteering to take a little bit of your time away from what you're doing to join me on mine because uh, I really enjoy having guests on my podcast. I do some solo episodes myself and you know that works out just fine sometimes, but I really do enjoy bouncing ideas off of other people, um, especially when we're talking about interpreting lyrics or just kind of Leaning some additional information from the words that Prince has written and sung So that is really the focus of my podcast and and your input will be invaluable for this one because something in the water does not compute is Is one of those songs. I think I feel like it's it's a bit overlooked by by many um, casual pr- fans of Prince I would say mm-hmm. those who are familiar with the hits and especially off of this album where you know you've got you know basically three consecutive songs that were just enormous hits for the man with 1999 little red corvette and delirious yeah this song is on the back half of the album it's right after a a, you know a nine and a half minute long song automatic yeah somebody listening to it might just feel a bit exhausted after listening to that song and just really kind of Welcome a shorter song, which "Something in the Water" is. It's yeah, just over four minutes, which makes it one of the shorter songs on this record.
1: Yeah, second shortest. That was one of my notes, and I hadn't realized that until <clears> I started studying it. That it's just a couple seconds longer than "Delirious," which is the shortest out al- song on the album.
0: Yeah, right. And and when you're saying a song that's still over four minutes is one of the, the shortest on the album. That just goes to show you the length of songs that were included on this record. To, yeah. you know stretch it out to a double album cuz it really is only 11 songs on it which if you're just looking at it like 11 songs how is that a double album well yeah. yeah you got the song length, so there you go yeah that's how you do it so yeah something in the water i mean for me i i didn't personally it, it wasn't a song that that grabbed me right away it wasn't a song like the first time i heard it i said that's something special mm. it didn't it took me a while it took me um years listen many listens and many years before i finally kind of understood what made this song unique and um, its moodiness for me. And Mm -hmm. like a lot of the, I mean, the, the lyrics for sure, that's what we're going to get to, but the music itself is very sparse. um, And it's, it's got a very kind of futuristic sound to it, which, you know, a lot of this album really kind of delved into using technology to create sounds that people hadn't heard before Mm -hmm. um so for for you josh something in the water does not compute what was kind of your introduction to the song or what were your thoughts on it early on versus maybe if they've changed over time
1: i don't think they've changed over time and to be honest with you i've been avoiding this album since the (laughs) expanded edition was announced because i was like man i've listened to this my entire life i do not want to be burned out on it when i get a fresh take with the remasters and the additional material that's coming um so revisiting this song uh you know kind of in its singularity reminded me of how i was the opposite of you the i guess i'm maybe a sucker for a prince lindrum no matter if it's from 1982 or 2008 the beginning of the song was one of the ones that stood out the most to me on the album just the frantic hi hat that you know goes from the left to the right channel um maybe not so much like the emotion that you're talking about because when i got this album i was a much younger than the mid-40 guy that i am now because um, this gets pretty deep into feelings and a little bit of i'm saying the obvious things but i'm making it seem like it's a surprise to me sort of the, the approach to the way prince wrote the song that might have been lost on me when i first heard it but the, um, just the drums themselves kind of it stuck out to me and it was one of my favorite songs off of the album. I also, as I was listening to it, was thinking to myself, how many songs in Princess Catalog have a parenthetical title like this? There aren't many. And I struggled to think of any like on my own. And just this morning, Christy sat down and she did a little research and she's like, oh, no, 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 there's there's like four of them. And I said, okay, well, four out of how many release songs (laughs) are there? It's like, that's a pretty low percentage. You know, it wasn't like zero (laughs)
0: zero one percent. Yeah, exactly.
1: You know, it wasn't like, parenthesis. I only want to see you laughing in the close parenthesis. Purple rain. Right. He didn't do that a lot. Um, So that that kind of stuck out to me as as just the title alone was interesting.
0: So. What did uh, did Christy give you any names of the, some of the songs that she could think of or looked up? Oh, oh, she gave me each and every one. If you'd like okay. a rundown, well, how about some I've of got, the more, hard, more uh, commonly known ones that we're just kind of forgetting about?
1: Um, I think, th- th- I think there's she found four actually, so we can go through them all. I think okay. the most commonly known is probably the B side, "Gotta Stop," parentheses, messing about. "Messing about," which I had forgotten about. Um. There'll never be, in parentheses, another like me from MPL Sound. Um, rock and Roll is Alive, parentheses, and it lives in Minneapolis. Yeah. And the last one she found was, parentheses, I like, close parentheses, funky music from New Power Soul. That's not a lot. It's not a lot, and it's but it's more than I could think of on my own, which was uh, absolutely none. I just couldn't picture it in my head. You know, obviously, like, remixes and... Um, that kind of stuff when, you know, like it's house mixes in parentheses, I wasn't counting those. I was trying to think of titles that, yeah. you know, of official releases that had parentheses and I could not for the life of me think of one. And now I feel a little stupid.
0: Well, two of them are B-sides in all fairness. True. Two of them are B-sides. That's, that's true. One of them is from a, a album that was credited to the new power generation.
1: Yes. Uh, but, but we all film. know the story yeah. there, right?
0: Exactly. So, yep. you know, and then. One from his later career. So I think probably Something in the Water, in parentheses, does not compute, is probably his most well-known. I would say you're right, of, yeah. Just because of the nature of where it lies in his career and on his in his discography, it's off of one of his most popular albums. So there you go. Yeah, totally, totally. <clears throat> and going back to the, the comment you made about the memorable and distinctive drum, drum machine programming mm-hmm. that he did on this song. For me, I, I would agree. And I think al- this song, along with the Ballad of Dorothy Parker, are probably two of his most memorable mm-hmm. and creative uh, drum machine programs that I can think of. I mean, like, if somebody says, you know, was he a very good, was he good at, at producing drum machine sounds that are more than just a, you know, uh, a steady rhythm, Doing something creative with it, absolutely. And these two yeah. songs, "Something in the Water" and "Ballad of Dorothy Parker," are two very, very good examples of what he could do with just this instrument um, at his disposal. And then, you know, just just this is just one instrument. This is just a drum machine, and how creative he can make sounds coming out of a drum machine, no different than um, you know a producer of of hip hop in the '80s and early '90s that was really reliant on, on drum machine sounds to create the the backbeat for for the rappers, for the lyricists. Yeah. It's a very similar kind of style, very sparse and very um, distinctive. And it's, it's super creative, and I love it, just like you do.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it's going to be this up-tempo song at the beginning. And of course, quickly, it kind of, you know... Uh, this, the keyboards come in and it kind of takes on this more mel- melancholy, like robotic approach. I was trying to decide what, how would you categorize this? It's not really, it's not a ballad but it's certainly not an upbeat song. No. Um, you know, it lays, lies somewhere between the two.
0: Yeah, the lyrics don't really lend it to be a ballad because it's not it's, it's a very in some ways self-loathing song even though We'll get when we get to this to the lyrics, he he has attributes that he likes that he thinks are are good qualities of himself that he wants to highlight, mm-hmm. but he just doesn't understand why that is that some of these things aren't enough for for this woman, this um this person that he's singing about in the song. And the way he sings the song too, he's singing it in a very I don't want to say odd, but it's it's a very different way. He's not. He it almost sounds a little like he's a little unsure of himself as he's singing these lyrics. Um, yeah, yeah, vulnerable for sure. Vulnerable, like he doesn't really put like he. Only a few times in the song does he really explode with his vocals. You know, right. with the screams and and some of the um, more powerful uh, vocal ranges that he is uh, able to do. In this song he kind of sings it really kind of close to the chest and and a little bit whispery mm-hmm. at times mm-hmm. and it kind of for me that kind of comes across a bit vulnerable and unsure of himself and he just sad maybe in some ways yeah definitely uh, Melan- ways. melancholy yeah. melancholy yes there's multiple ways that one could describe his singing style in this song but it's not a style that we've really heard a lot of on this album at least right the way you were describing how prince
1: sings about himself it's it's almost like he steps back out of he's looking at himself from afar and telling the story it almost seems to me like i don't know if you've watched planet earth the documentary series it's like prince is david attenborough and he's describing you know all these qualities that should make him very attractive to mates but yet they all fail and i could just hear David Attenborough in his British voice <laughs> talking about the, you know, perfectly sculpted prince. And yet he still, you know, struggles in the lifelong attempt to find a mate.
0: Yeah, nice. <laughs> nice visual, you, thank you.
1: You also, you, <laughs> Yeah, you're welcome. You're welcome. You also mentioned sparse, how the mm-hmm. song is so sparse. I know we need to get to, to lyrics here. But um, the other thing that struck me revisiting the song and listening to it over and over and over again was... I think that this was really the first album track where he dropped out uh, bass and guitar all together you know like when Doves Cry gets credit for that you know oh no bass line it's so amazing and of course that's because it was a single and a number one hit but this song recorded years earlier um, is very much in the same vein there's you know a drum machine and some pads and some synths and Prince singing and speaking and screaming and that's really it so it's Kind of one of the first stripped-down Prince songs in the catalog to me.
0: Yeah, it is very stripped down. Very stripped down, and the theme of the song lends itself to it being stripped down. I mean, it could have been sung You're right with a di- in a different style with you know big big guitars and big chorus, uh, <laughs> but I really think it works better in, in the way it, it was created initially and with um, this style because it's it's kind of a. Because we use this word multiple times, a melancholy song. And so a melancholy song, needs a mel- I think, needs melancholy music behind it. And this really does lend itself. It's a, yeah, for sure. I agree. So going back to um, talking about the lyrics now. Some people tell me I've got great names Can't figure out why you made me, baby Does that compete? Don't that compete? You think it's special well so do I? As we mentioned, he's kind of speaking about himself a little bit in the beginning of each of the verses. So this first line of the song is a very memorable line right off the bat. Some people tell me yeah. I got great legs. Can't mm-hmm. figure out why you make me beg. So right off the bat, he is kind of doing what we kind of alluded to where he's describing himself uh, you know, with this positive physical attribute, like I've got great legs, but that doesn't seem to, to be of interest or it doesn't matter. It doesn't seem to matter to you. You're still making me beg. Mm -hmm. beg for uh you know affection or beg for forgiveness or whatever it is that he's having to beg for um this is that being reduced to to begging in order to get the uh, attention or affection from this woman even though he's got great legs so (laughs) (laughs) that's right (laughs) yeah
1: Yeah, he also phrases it in a way like it's a surprise to him some people tell me i got great legs when you know he's thinking yeah i'm i'm kind of i'm kind of hot (laughs) it's not a surprise to him
0: right no i I had no i had no idea some people told me that though
1: oh yeah yeah i've never noticed
0: right after those first two lines then you get this kind of repeating and it goes through like this is a pattern throughout the song does not compute don't not Mm. compute and Mm. that's always been a little uh an odd phrasing to me as well for all the years I've heard it. Cause I always heard it don't not compute, but having two negatives like that in a sentence really just is a, an odd way to say it, I guess. And I don't, I don't know why. I mean, I'm not going to try to decipher the meaning behind put phrasing that, that way yeah. besides just not wanting to have to repeat does not compute twice. I don't know. Do you have any additional thoughts on how, how or why we have a, a very different way of saying does not compute the second time when he repeats it?
1: I don't know if it's, you know, it's kind of, it's a kind of robotic song, kind of emotionless sounding, you know, other than the melancholy pads, it's sort of very digital sounding. Um, So we get this human way of saying does not compute. And then is it, I know I've read the lyric sheet and it says don't not compute, but what I've always heard was do, do not compute, like do not compute. He's like almost uh, uh just kind of pushing the words together, um but why he chose to for it to be different, like you said, maybe it's just to avoid the repetition of you know saying mm-hmm. the same same thing, but does not compute is you know really the name or well, it's the parenthetical name of the song, so obviously yeah. those were those were important words,
0: yeah, and then who knows I mean t- saying don't not compute also doesn't compute. So, yeah,
1: true, yeah, that it, doesn't make sense,
0: it doesn't make sense, so it doesn't compute either. So, who knows? It's it might be just be something along those lines as well, where he's just saying something a little nonsensical mm-hmm. to just drive home the point that this doesn't compute, like this makes no sense, and neither does this phrasing. <laughs> so, you're right, yeah, so there you go. it's a very robotic phrasing, robotic singing style in this song, especially those lines mm-hmm. that it can be interpreted as just a, a somebody who's kind of, you know, losing, losing control a little bit of, of their humanity. And the whole sound of the song lends itself to it being a very robotic delivery of, of lines. And this is when you talk about computers and computing, mm-hmm. it makes sense to have it be song in a robotic way.
1: Yeah, yeah. And this is very, you know, in a line of a couple songs or like 13 and a half minutes of music on this album is about automation and computers between automatic and now something does not compute. We have this kind of technology statement being made in the middle of this long double album, and that's all part of the song, too.
0: And then after those lines, he says, you think you're special? Well, so do I. Why do special women make me cry? Then repeats that does not compute. Don't mm-hmm. not compute. You, know, you think you're special? Well, so do I. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So she, she seems to be very. I don't want to say full of yourself herself, but she she obviously thinks that uh, she's got it going on, and yeah. um, he does as well. I mean, he admits it. So why else would he be with her? Mm-hmm. Um, and this is a this is a theme, a very common theme in in early Prince music yeah. is this. This woman who he just can't seem to shake uh, or stand up to he feels a little bit powerless uh, to kind of uh, combat some of these women's negative traits like whether it's because they're abusive or they sleep around on them or they're conceited whatever it is negative traits these women have Prince feels a bit a bit powerless to combat them or to stand up for himself in some ways.
1: Yeah, I think we all know that Prince was often all about control, control, control. So in a relationship when he didn't have that, I think it made for great songwriting for him or, you know, the amplification of whatever personal situation might have led him to write this song. I think that was something that he could really harness was the amount of uncomfortableness he felt without being in complete control of every aspect of his life and certainly relationships is one of them because no matter who you are you've really got only fifty percent right
0: yep and he's already admitting that this person, this special person, this special woman makes him cry. So <laughs> there's been some there's been some good times and there's been some bad times and in this song one has to assume that right. the bad times are starting to overtake the good times and it's just not it's not working out for him but he's once again a little bit powerless to to leave her or to do anything about it
1: right right
0: so then it goes to the chorus must be something in the water they drink it's been the same with every girl i've had must be something in the water they drink because why else would a woman want to treat a man so bad yeah and the way he sings that it's why else would a woman want to treat a man so bad so he stretches that's a long line it doesn't fit in the same yeah uh, structure as the first three lines in the chorus so he has to stretch it out to almost be like two lines but it's really just one sentence
1: yeah kind of sung or said in double time
0: yeah exactly he's got to speed it up a bit to make it Mm -hmm. to make it fit so there's the name of the song in the chorus something in the water yeah, same with every girl he's had so so as we've talked about this is a recurring theme in prince's music he's identifying it himself as a recurring theme in his in his music as well or at least like in his, his the life of his character that he's you know writes songs about It's right. a, a recurring theme for him and he understands that it's the same with every girl he's had something in the water that they drink that makes them want to treat him so bad basically yeah all the yep. way back to why you want to treat me so bad off of the Prince album. Yeah, and there you go. a yeah. number of examples from, you know, 78 to 82 when these, these songs were written his first five years of his career where, you know, you can cite song after song after song where he's got a girl that's no good for him. Yeah. And so what is it? It must be something in the water because it can't be me, right? <laughs> I was just going to say, you know, the, where this this phrase, it must be
1: something in the water is like when you reach the point of there is no explanation. So it's got to be that because I've I've explored every other possible option. But the one thing he doesn't explore in his music up to this point is the other common denominator in all of these <laughs> relationships, which is Prince.
0: No, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no self-reflection at really at this point. Uh, We get that later, but yeah, yeah. not not in 1982. Not 1982. It's uh, something in the water. That's right.
1: But I don't know. This is kind of the vulnerable side of Prince. He's not just this, you know, perfect musician, dancer, performer, writer. There's heartache and sadness in his life that he can you know connect with people through.
0: Yeah, he was very uh, what I would almost call emo a bit before emo. He he mined different lyrical content for his hits, uh, and almost they became hits in spite of some of the some of the uh, lyrical themes that he was exploring at the time. This wasn't a hit. I mean, this wasn't a really single by any stretch, but uh, it it follows the kind of like the same thought process where you know 1999 was about nuclear apocalypse more or less right, Little right red corvette was singing a song about a, a promiscuous woman you know uh when doves Cry it's, talks about family dynamics and a, yeah. you know, some of the abusive nature of, of and dysfunction in the family and then let's go crazy was just completely bonkers in terms of how it uh, was talking about something very spiritual and but mm-hmm. 90% of the people totally never even got any of that message when they first heard it. They thought it was a good party song. So yep. he's really yep. going different places than a lot of pop artists were at this time. Mm-hmm. Some people think I'm you. You. when it comes to what, oh, YOU. All right, so then we get to the second verse, and he says right off the bat, another um, self-praising comment, some people think I'm kind of (laughs) cute, but that don't compute when it comes to Y-O-U. And uh, Repeating the don't compute does not compute. Mm -hmm. So some people think I'm kind of cute. So that's another one where he certainly starts off with uh, a statement that he doesn't understand why even though he's got great legs and that i guess people think he's cute some people do yeah why doesn't it compute with you that these physical characteristics that other people find attractive isn't enough and i know these are all just very surface comments about himself Mm -hmm. his legs and being cute Uh, doesn't speak to anything deeper than just physical appearances but that's that's what he's expressing in these lines. Is that his physical traits seem to be on point? Why, why isn't it computing to a woman that wants to uh, treat me good, or you know, mm-hmm. uh, somebody who's going to stay with me for you know for the for other reasons besides physical or physical characteristics?
1: Yeah, he. This is another theme that's you know has been throughout his entire catalog is. Um, you know, starting with physical appearance, legs and being cute, but then, you know, of course, later realizing, you know, it's more about in the mind being smart. And so he's almost taking us through that path here too. We've got a a specific physical attribute in his legs and then overall being cute. And then later we get to more heady type things that, uh, seem to work for him as he perceives and gets to know. Women, Obviously, he was attracted to beautiful women, but they uh, were generally, you know, had to challenge him somehow, intellectually. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's providing that here, at least through these first two verses, at least from the physical standpoint. And so far, he's 0 for 2, legs and cuteness.
0: Yeah, it's not, it's not enough. No. This, these women are looking for something else, I guess. What's the <laughs> hang-up? What's the scam? I guess you think I'm just another one one of your fans. What's the hang up? What's the scam? So he's asking questions now, um, trying to to dig into the psyche of this woman a bit. W- what's going on? You know, essentially he's just saying, what's the deal? What's the scam? I, I mean, that's kind of an odd an odd question, unless it's literally talking about a scam. But if he's not really referring to a scam, if he's just really referring to what what's what's the deal with you? What's
1: mm-hmm.
0: Why is this? So difficult for you. Um, yeah, what is the problem? What is the problem? Yeah, I mean, those those two questions are basically asking what's what's the problem here? Yeah. And saying, I guess you think I'm just another one of your fans. So apparently this woman has uh, a lot of quote-unquote fans, you know, a lot of, of male admirers, people that are really trying to vie for her affection and her attention as well he he doesn't want to put himself like in that category of just another guy who you know is trying to hit on her or or ha- has eyes for her because of her physical beauty or whatever it is that you know she has that all these all these people when well, we assume men that are he's calling her fans is mm-hmm. she famous um you know is she, is she a, is she another singer is she a movie star we don't know it's just somebody that I think he feels like he's, he's competing against a lot of people for her attention and Mm -hmm. um, it's frustrating to him.
1: Yeah. And the way he delivers that line, this is one of the first lines where you kind of start to feel like he's, his frustration is coming out. He's a little hard to understand when he says, guess you think I'm just another one, one of your fans that repetition of the word one. And there's a reverb on his voice that always makes me have to come back and, Look up what exactly it is that he says. There's this line, and then one a little further on that I think is almost purposefully hard to discern the way he delivers it because you're starting to get the figure, the the feeling like you're. Oh wow, we're getting deep insight into the mind of a guy who has been. I don't know. He's starting to go a little crazy, maybe because of this situation.
0: Yeah, and that's that's a good. A good transition, because after this second verse, he goes to the mm-hmm. chorus again. must yeah. be something in the water they drink. It's the same with every girl I've had. must be in the water they drink, because why else would a woman want to treat a man so bad? And then we get a little bit of a musical break, and then he goes into the third verse, and the third verse is a bit different. Yeah, he doesn't sing it in the same way as the first two verses. and that that is something I've noticed as I go through these songs from the nineteen ninety nine era on this podcast i'm noticing a lot of times the first couple of verses are sung in a very standard way like he sets the sets uh, establishes a pattern and then just completely wipes that pattern off the wall with with the third verse often and this is where you as you mentioned kind of like he's starting to go a little bit off the rails now Mm -hmm. and his his um his psyche his delivery of, of the lyrics and even Um, the words are starting to become more uh, frantic, a little more desperate. Says, I've got to get to you, baby. Some people think I'm kind of smart. Here we go. Fellow, stop with you before he starts. (laughs) (laughs) So now he's getting past the physical with some people think I'm kind of smart. (laughs) Why must a fellow stop with you before he starts? And he sings that song or that line. Also, very, that's a little, to me, that's a line that's a little different because he kind of almost like sings it with a bit of a, a I don't want to say hiccup, but it's kind of like a hiccup, like where he goes up and down in his register as he sings yes. that line. And so it's, it's, it's very unique, very different the way he sings that. But he's now trying to show her he's got a different side. There's more depth to him than just physical traits. So people think I'm kind of smart. So if legs and being cute isn't enough, um, check out my brain, you know, <laughs> I'm yes. a smart guy. And, um, here, let me, let me tell you, some people think I'm smart too. So what do you think?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That line, why I must have fell a fellow stop with you before he starts is the second one I was alluding to earlier. That's because of the reverb, the echo and how quickly he, you know, kind of stumbles through it. It's a little hard to even make out exactly what he says outside of the fact that he's continues to be frustrated. Right.
0: Yeah, yeah, I didn't know that was the line you were talking about because for me that line is always difficult to hear as well. So it's not just you.
1: Oh, Very good, good. good. <laughs> I mean, I, I had to, I had to look it up this morning. I'm like, I think I know what he says, but I need to make sure I'm, you know, hearing it right. And the way you describe this as the, like the third verse, but a completely different pattern for delivering verses. Like I looked at this song and tried to find. Well, where's the bridge? Is there a bridge in the song? And I sort of thought, well, this third verse is sort of like a mixture of a verse and a bridge because it, it kind of follows the pattern but is sung in a different way um, yeah. so it's kind of bridgey
0: it is kind of bridgey and really you know uh, as far as like whether at their choruses or verses or bridges yeah. um, I don't know I mean all I know is that these are lyrics that um, don't follow the same pattern as the first grouping first two groupings of lyrics and yeah. so this is the point in the song where things start to change just like you know and all the other songs where things start to change a little bit and and I guess by definition that would fit more of a bridge pattern for sure yeah. there's more there's more lines here Uh, he puts in a little i've got to get to you baby before he starts on the lyrics which you know He hadn't been really doing any I don't know ad-libbing or any Adding additional words that don't fit the the, the patterns mm mm-hmm. So then, after he goes that, he still says the it don't, it don't compute. But he says it he adds some different words here. Don't compute, mama does not compute. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something don't compute, don't not compute. So he even takes the the standard robotic does not compute, don't not compute, and even puts some more words into that that make it seem more human. Because computers don't say mama, you know? <laughs> no, they don't. <laughs> Typically, if you're asking it to, you know, at least in, in the computers of, of you know, uh, science fiction from the 70s and 80s where, you know, they, they talk like this and they only speak in proper uh, sentences and proper English. They're not going to say something like mama or, you know, have lines like something don't compute. Right. I mean, they're they're going to say, Dave, Dave, <laughs> please <laughs> stop, Dave. Yeah, this does not compute. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, there's more humanity now in the, in this, and it's not it, It's more human, but it's also, as uh, uh, I, I mentioned before, to me it sounds more desperate. Like he's just just reaching and really struggling to understand, and so he's trying to get through to her in whatever way he can. And in in this song, and especially now later on in the song, it's starting to get more. Um, You know, he's he's addressing her in ways that he hadn't been addressing her before because he's trying to really just get her attention somehow, just trying to get through to her.
1: Yeah, like he's going through his box of tricks and, you know, he's like something in here has got to work. It's got to work. And he's getting he's you know pulling things out quicker and quicker until he can find the one thing that will turn this all around.
0: Mm-hmm. And then it really comes to a head with this next line, because this next line where he says, I buy you clothing, buy you fancy cars. He screams eyed.
1: so yes, he just, does.
0: Just the, just the word "eyed" is screamed and lengthened mm-hmm. in a way that you know you normally wouldn't with a, a two letter word. Um, and that, that at this point you really get the sense that he's uh, a, a bit lost and mm-hmm. a bit troubled by this to the point where he's having to scream at her to get her attention now. Yeah. scream at her to get her to to pay attention to him and what he's saying and that's that's kind of what I'm getting from this now, it's like, I buy you clothing fancy cars, but you gotta talk to me baby, tell me who you really are
1: Yeah, that's where it kind of turns into an unexpected way to me, Is like he's been wanting, seems like he's been wanting affection, he's been wanting uh, attention but what he's really digging at is here he's asking just for the doors to be open so he can see and share and who this person really is and I think so now I get the picture that he's just been blocked out emotionally and that's what's got him the most frustrated that uh, he's not been allowed you know to be intimate with her uh, on an intellectual or emotional um, point of view
0: and up until this point, until you get to this section of the song, you don't really know what's mm-hmm. going on if this is a real relationship, yeah, that he's in that he's feeling like he's being abused, but at this point, you know he's he's yelling at her that he's gonna give her all these things, but he's getting nothing in return, mm-hmm. like she's not talking to him she he she's not allowing him a chance to get to know her like you said. And then you go back if you after reading that and you go back to the couple the first couple of verses, you, know, you look at it again and you just you you understand that he's really like you said been blocked out. So he's yeah. telling her about these physical attributes he has. Can't figure out why you make me beg, beg, beg to pay attention to him, um, and then think just another one of your fans. Once again, she's she doesn't probably barely even know who he is, you know. Right. Um, she may even think that he is just kind of a pest at this point.
1: Right. You know? Yeah. He's a, a fly. Nuisance. He's a fly in a in her soup.
0: Either she's not interested, or she's playing very, very hard to get. Yes. Right. <laughs> like extremely hard. Like the hardest ever. <laughs> the hardest <laughs> ever. <laughs> the hardest to get ever. <laughs> Yeah, All I mean right, it, so, the first
1: of, like you said, the first two verses, the first two lines of the song, makes it. You know, what do men beg about if they think they're hot and have great legs? It's probably something sexual. But you get further into the song, and it and it's like a lot of 1999 yeah. as an album. It's much deeper uh, than it would lead you to believe um, on the surface.
0: Yeah, yeah. So at this point, I think we're kind of getting a picture. A picture's been painted for us that and what i what i see when i listen to the song after going through the lyrics and you know when you've got the the music behind it to kind of tell you help tell the story is i envisioned like this woman being somebody that prince knows that's Mm -hmm. in his periphery somehow and we all know this is just this is a song right so we don't know that there's any example of this being a a song that he wrote about somebody But what I'm, what I get, and I try to do some of this with these songs, I get, you know, visualizations of what's going on to kind of help me picture what, what is he singing about? And I just envision somebody who is, who is very popular with the opposite sex, because probably for a number of reasons. And there's a lot of like, she's kind of an important person, whether or not she's important in her um, professional life, her personal life, both. And uh, he is somebody who is just infatuated a bit, enamored with her, and he really wants to get her attention. He feels like he's better than all these other people, all these other mm-hmm. men that are trying to get her attention because of his physical traits and his brain. Um, and he, he's got money, so he's going to buy her clothing and fancy cars. So he must have money, right? So yeah, yeah. And, and none of it, it seems to be enough to get her attention and it's frustrating as hell for him. special
1: <laughs> yeah here we go so, he, yeah he's calling back to you know one of the earlier lines you know w- which was complimentary early on you think you're special well so do i and here it's an insult you know
0: yeah yeah right it's meant to sound insulting like you think you're you think you're all that mm-hmm. you think you're you're the shit or whatever but he, right so now he add just by adding that word bitch in front of it <laughs> yeah, uh, get adds complete takes completely different tone to the, to the line you think you're special well so do i and he still says so do i after this mm-hmm. so it's not like he doesn't still think she's special he's just now pissed off that even though she is special and she knows she's special and he knows she's special it's killing him in ways you know it's like mm-hmm. it's it's he's w- he wishes that she wasn't you know she he wishes that she was just another another girl that he could you know, get with because of uh whatever stature he has, but yeah, shoot, or he can't. or he could or he could just walk away and
1: forget about it, but he's not able to.
0: Right. Because he's think paused even, after saying that.
1: Yeah, he does. Even the way he says the word bitch, it's kind of, you know, almost whispered in a way. Um he kind of slips it in before he says you think you're special, like he's insulting her behind her back almost. <laughs>
0: yeah (laughs) yeah underneath his breath because he doesn't want her to hear it
1: (laughs) exactly he he, he, that's how he really feels but he doesn't want her to know that because he's too busy worrying about getting to know her more intimately yeah
0: and then after he pauses and after saying that line and he pauses to say so do i Mm -hmm. so do i comes across to me almost like as a song in resignation Mm
1: -hmm. yeah yeah like i do yeah, yeah, I it's I can't. I'd love to not think that, but I do. Yep.
0: And uh, yeah, so here in this section of the song, there's like I said, there's a bunch of spoken word lines that he, there, many of them are whispered, you know, and it's yeah. really hard to make out some of them. And I think whether or not he's ad libbing or these were all pre written, I don't know, but I'll just read a few of them because you know it's, they're kind of kind of interesting. So he says like, "Why in God's name do you want to make me cry?" So kind of. Definitely. Harkening back to the why do special women make me cry line. Yeah. And he's begging again, why, why? You know, and he Mm. says that a couple times in this section. I do anything for you, anything. Why don't you talk to me? Tell me who you are. Mm -hmm. Don't do this to me. Please don't do this. Why, why? And then as the song kind of fades out and you just, all you're left with is his vocals and, the synth line yeah, that just starts and the synth line is, is also kind of mirroring his vocals. Like it's kind of comes and goes it's there and then it's silence and then it's there and then silence. Mm -hmm. I do love you. I do. Or else I wouldn't go through all the things I do. And that's how the song ends.
1: Yeah. And his voice is almost shaking when he delivers that last line or else I wouldn't go through all the things I do. Like you can almost hear him in the in the crying that he's you know referenced before
0: yeah he sings this song with a lot of emotion even though early on in the song there's some some lines that are sung with more of a robotic tone but by the time we get to the second half of this song there's a hell of a lot of emotion there starting kind of off with that that third verse bridgie section with the screaming i buy you yeah buy you clothing fancy cars from then on The song is filled with emotion and the the lines are sung with emotion, even though a lot of them are sung very quietly and and near whispering because I really feel like he's just I I just envision him just kind of singing the song alone in his bedroom, just so angry and frustrated. And you know, he's not singing them to her anymore. He's just talking to himself. He's just Yeah, it's
1: yeah, it's like a diary entry. Um and like you said, it starts it's off very like I'm gonna tell you this, but I don't really want to talk about it. So it's just like kind of facts until mm-hmm. it gets, you know, he starts to open up more and then the real heartache kind of gets exposed towards the latter half of the song and really reaches a peak at the at the very end.
0: Yeah, by the time you're done with the song, and it's only just over four minutes, it's he's emotionally drained. Yeah. Um, as the you know, singing it and performing the song, it's it's an emotionally draining song to listen to. Mm-hmm. and it's an emotionally draining song i'm sure for him to sing because of the the nature of the lyrics and how he has to kind of deliver them to sell it for sure mm-hmm. uh, there needs to be that that up and down like it's a very much of a roller coaster with the screaming and yelling and, and frustration to the, the sad sack kind of vocals that he puts at the end where he's just basically resigned to living in this living this life of of being in shut out from this woman's life even though he's he can't help himself but but basically love her from afar in some ways even though he doesn't know her and he gets so angry that he doesn't he doesn't give a chance (laughs) to know her he doesn't get a chance to do that
1: yeah yeah it's like the the gears or the control knobs of a relationship just are doing nothing for him he's done everything right and like the doors to her heart and mind are just not opening even though he thinks he has Every key that there is,
0: yep. He thinks he's got the keys, and the keys don't fit the lock in this case, for sure.
1: That's right. That's right. He doesn't have the skeleton key
0: either. No. <laughs> no, he's got the he's got the keys, but they're to the wrong house. <laughs> That's right. But you don't you know, hear of women that would love to be with him at this point. And
1: oh yeah, not this one though. Not this. Yeah. One. Not, yeah. Not this particular one. But there's yeah. not a lot of times that you hear Prince almost admit defeat in a song and this one he sort of does that's almost his way of saying goodbye it's like that last line i do love you or else i wouldn't go through all the things i do it's not a last effort to uh get her to open up to him the way that he does it's almost just like his final statement her: saying well despite all this i still love you and i continue to do these things although now you know i'm i'm making the definition of crazy for myself because i keep doing the same things over and over again and expecting a different result when that's not the way it's going to work
0: all right so that brings us to the end of the song and for for me something in the water is like i had mentioned earlier it's a song that i didn't gravitate towards early on when i was mm-hmm. listening to this record It kind of got lost in the shuffle for me and mm-hmm. it took it took some maturity on my part. It took some some time with the with the record and and this song in particular to really get its appeal. And you would think that you know me being also in my mid forties that you know my my emo days are over and my <laughs> and they're behind <laughs> me. You know if yeah. I was going to really relate to this song, it would have been you know decades ago when I was maybe you know still dating and. And having a similar experience where there was somebody that I really liked, and that person wouldn't give me the time of day, and this song could have really resonated with me then. But it doesn't matter that you know I'm I'm married, and you know I've been happily married for for many many years. That mm-hmm. a song can still bring back feelings that or thoughts that uh, that existed in you. Um, decades prior and it doesn't matter that you're now no longer in that place. You can still feel the emotion. You can still relate and This song does that for me and it, it does it in so many ways because of the music Because it was because of how it was recorded The song was delivered the lyrics just everything about this song To me is makes it one of the highlights of the record.
1: I Totally agree. I'm glad you feel that way. Um, it just is like this is kind of why music exists. Like you can come back to the song that was recorded, whatever thirty five years ago, and um, it can bring out emotions in you that were going on in someone else. You know, halfway across the world, um, and and reach a part of you that nothing else can. You can't get that so much in a movie because you're seeing characters. There's visuals there. Where here, it's just uh instruments and vocals and the emotion is just more much more laid out there for you so it's much easier to connect with i think in that way
0: so any other final thoughts josh on the song
1: Uh, I would just encourage you know any naysayers out there for this particular track like you said it does get overlooked a little bit and maybe it's just because of its position you know second song on the second half of a very long album following a very long song actually two songs in a row that are very long right um isolating it the way that I did the last week or so um, preparing to talk to you today and just listening to this one song on repeat almost out of context of the album makes it even more powerful so I'd give it a revisit um, in that way if you can
0: Agreed Absolutely, the song deserves more attention Why you
1: talk to me? Tell me why.
0: press rewind prince lyrics podcast i've been your host jason brenninger uh, listen to josh and christie's podcast the mountains and the sea it's great they do a lot of great uh, topics unlike mine where i go chronologically they bounce around so you know if you're not really into the air that they're covering with a certain section of episodes just wait a little bit they'll they'll get to something that you're really down with <laughs> um and if you're just into prince they have a lot of prince knowledge between the two of them and so I really enjoy you guys' podcast. Just oh,
1: thanks, on. Jason. We love listening to you, too, and uh, I'm glad I could finally get on. I know Christy's enjoyed her few visits with you in the past, too, so look forward to doing it again sometime.
0: Okay. Thank you very much, Josh, and until next time, bye, everyone. Bye.